everyone remain calm. Welcome to the 95th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, we've got a great chat with the founder of the Jurassic Cast Podcast and the production company Practical Creative, Sam Phillips, and you all certainly know him from his awesome cast interviews over on the Jurassic Cast and the recent behind-the-scenes documentary that he shot at the Royal Albert Hall for Jurassic Park in concert. Also on our chat, we'll dive deep into the Lost World and what makes it so great. It's a great chat, so you won't want to miss it. This week, you can hear me on a previous guest, uh, Jarrett Courtney's podcast, Work Smoothly. It was a great time, and you'll be able to see our chat via his YouTube page. I'll make sure to post all about it once it's released. You can also hear my spot on the IndieCast from the most recent episode. I brought up a bunch of great audio from the Indiana Jones adventure out in Disneyland, so make sure to check that one out. Now, I mentioned it last week, but I wanted to give you a heads up again. I recently started another podcast called Never Offline. It's myself and my co-host, Chris Vuno, where we bring each other new topics. Don't let each other know what those topics are until we hit record. Each episode is probably about 20 minutes long, and we, we debut two episodes a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's a really, really ridiculous podcast. So please go download it, subscribe and review the podcast. And uh, yeah, if you don't want to listen to it, just go ahead and give it that five-star review. It'll really help us out. I really, really appreciate it. I'm telling you. It's the dumbest podcast you'll ever hear. Don't forget we have a special promo code available to listeners of the podcast to use for Jurassic World, the exhibition currently in its final weeks. Head to fi.edu or call the museum at 215-448-1200 to purchase tickets and use the code JWGENER to get $5 off daytime adult admission tickets to, of course, Jurassic World, the exhibition. Now, this is limited to four tickets per person. It does include general admission to the Franklin Institute, but it cannot be combined with any other offer or discount. Upgrades are available on site for the IMAX and 3D theaters. It is redeemable online, over the phone, or at the ticketing desk. Of course, processing fees do apply when ordering your tickets in advance. It does exclude holidays, but you know what? It is valid through April 19th, 2017. That's this Wednesday, if you're listening to this the week it's released. So uh, the promo code is almost over here, guys. Again, the promo code is J-W-G-E-N-E-R. Use it and let us know when you do. We've got a great chat here on the podcast today, so why don't we head off into the Visitor Center? Let's open up the doors to the Visitor Center, where I speak with Sam Phillips from the Jurassic Cast Podcast about podcasting, the lost world, and more.
Today, here in the Visitor Center, I'm joined by Sam Phillips, who you know from the Jurassic Cast podcast. He's done a ton of great interviews, produced some awesome JP video content, and now we finally got him here. How you doing, Sam? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it's been a long time coming. You know, I had uh, Jack Ewens on recently, and now I got you here. So we're kind of uh, rounding out the podcasting community, getting getting some, uh, you know, the more of us together. It's going to be fun. Yeah, no, it's um, it's definitely great to be on here, mate. Um, yeah, I mean, as as you know, with like Jack's one, it was it's always nice to do a crossover with uh, some of the other guys in the older. Uh, Jurassic podcasting community. <laughs> yeah, it's always tough. We're all over the world here, so uh, you know we we do what we can and uh, don't always make it happen. But when we do, it's going to be good. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so before we get started here, uh, maybe you know the question I ask everybody that comes on the podcast here in the visitor center: um, If you get stuck in a kitchen with a Velociraptor, what will you do, and will you make it out alive? Um probably not i would start looking for my last dinner um, but it probably <laughs> wouldn't get to that point the last supper yeah <laughs> i'll probably eat them before i'd even move two feet because i'm quite heavy footed as well so <laughs> yeah you just like start digging around the the cupboards there and just look for whatever's you know the best meal start cooking and the raptors come up behind you and that's it like... <laughs> yeah yeah game over <laughs> Yeah, you know, more and more as I've asked this question, people did, you know, at one point start to come up with some cool, unique ones. And, and then slowly but surely, a lot of people start to realize, like, it's not going to work out. I'm not getting out. Yeah. It's not happening. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll run into the freezer and freeze to death. <laughs> yeah, you'll hide in there and uh, he'll, yeah. he'll live. The raptor will live out on the other side and, and you'll just be stuck forever. <laughs> maybe and then maybe later on when the kids run in, it'll be like that scene from the Goonies where Chunks uh, goes in there and there's just the frozen guy just falls on top of him. Oh. <laughs> that that'll be me falling on top of Tim and Lex. Yeah. Well, or even now in the in the new series, you got the uh, what uh, what's their name Zach and Gray. They wander into the visitor center and they stumble upon the kitchen and they find uh, a freezer and uh, they find you. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> frozen in time. <laughs> So uh, let's get into it a little bit here. I guess uh, sort of what we were just talking about. Why don't we talk about Jurassic podcasting for a few? Uh, I basically feel like you're probably, what, like the godfather of the Jurassic Park podcasting community in a way. Um, so I wouldn't go that far. No, not that far? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, when you said about, you know, what, what should we talk about, I, I, I did want to ask because you know you've got a hell of a lot of episodes <laughs> a lot more than us and you're a lot more consistent and a lot of the time I can't keep up with them um but you know I I, I did what I was interested to see what you know made you get into the uh Jurassic Park podcasting well for me you know I um I I've been listening to uh podcasts for a long time I had my own podcast back in like 2008 before podcasting was really like a thing and yeah. I ended up quitting that one and wanted to start one for a very long time and I've listened to you you guys and the Outpost guys for a while and I also listen to a lot of other podcasts, movie podcasts like for Star Wars and Indiana Jones and stuff like that so 
Uh, the ones I listened to were very produced and had, you know, samples and, and soundtracks and all this different stuff. So I kind of wanted to, uh, I guess, stray away from what you guys had done and do something a little bit different, different uh, offering, I guess, for the people that listen. Um, yeah. So really, that's where, where I came from. And, and you guys, I guess, were all there first. So how, how did you do it? <laughs> I mean, um, it sort of goes back to sort of that same time that you were into it. I mean, I was... I used to listen to a lot of different podcasts, uh, m- most notably like the Kevin Smith ones, uh, mm-hmm. Smodcast and Tell Them Steve Dave. And me and my friend, we started a movie one. Uh, it was around about 2008, 2009 called The Movie Dudes. Yeah. <laughs> and um, We did that. And then um, me, him and another friend, we all supported a, uh, a football team in the UK called um, Tottenham. So we started doing one for that. Wow. And then um, and then I broke my elbow. Um, oh. This was about 2010 it was my right elbow and i couldn't i couldn't drive i couldn't work and i was just i couldn't do anything and i was just found myself at home you know like doing absolutely nothing (laughs) because i I couldn't do anything i couldn't play my playstation i could just watch films you know yeah i could just watch films or you know uh do little like do little bits of editing and i could still do the podcast with the uh the other guys Mm -hmm. and um I sort of started rewatching, you know, um, I don't know, you know, I've been a lifelong Jurassic Park fan, but I sort of, uh, you know, watched the uh, DVD box set again and I was, you know, got back into it. And then uh, I think that was around about the time they announced that they would do the uh, the re-release the following year in the UK, the, uh, the 2011 digital remaster. Mm. And I was like, oh, wow, great, yeah. Um, so I, I started, I, I've always sort of been you know on the internet but i never sort of delved, delved into any kind of forums or anything like that you know i used to every film i used to watch i used to look up facts on you know like imdb and things like that but i was never yeah. a forum person so i was looking up you know for, you know i'm gonna dive into the world of jurassic park and I, I found that that was when i first stumbled across you know like the websites like uh i think it was like jp legacy and trez trezcom and mm-hmm. Things like that, and I was like, "Oh wow, I'm not actually the only person in the world that likes Jurassic Park." <laughs> yeah, because I'd never even delved into any of that before. <laughs> so I was like, "You know what? I'm going to record a podcast, and I'm going to call it Jurassic Cast because for some reason it, it, it's different for you because it's the way that we sat over here. But f- for some reason, I thought Cast sounded a bit like Park, Jurassic Park, Jurassic Cast. And I was mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, that'll do. That'll do." <laughs> yeah, no, that's <laughs> and, perfect. Um, <laughs> Yes, it was pretty much me on my own. I recorded it. I sort of spoke a little bit about myself and, um, you know, why I like Jurassic Park. And then it was about half an hour, 45 minutes long. And I put it out there and just completely forgot about it. (laughs) And then about a year later, I was just, I was going through, um, I was going through my, uh, my host on like the podcast. And I was like, oh, that Jurassic Park one's still on there. And I looked at it and it had like, 25,000 downloads in a year and I was like what <laughs> <laughs> you know that when it was just like majorly trumping all of my other podcasts yeah so I was like oh, well you know there's something going on here so I recorded another one and you know it was just getting tons of downloads and then um this was kind of like Jurassic Cast's original run we I ended up doing about 10 episodes and I had some people in the community on um you know just talking about the films and that and then 
you know, we got a sniff of Jurassic Park Four was on the horizon, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, we're going to do it." And then, um, and then I stumbled across one day. I stumbled across uh, one of Jack's videos, one of his uh, collector videos, like my collection. I think it's his his one that's got like about five million views now. Wow! And I was watching it, and I was like, because I've never really, I've, I've never really been a collector of stuff. But you know, um, I was watching it, and he his ones just seemed a lot different from everyone else's. You know, because everyone had all like the pristine condition boxes and things like that. You know, yeah. everything was kept bubble wrap and like you know, in, in kept in cotton wool and things like that. Whereas <laughs> his was just all dumped on the bed, like yeah, that's my dinosaur. It's missing an arm. It's missing an arm. And I, I didn't know whether he was being serious or you know he was just <laughs> you know doing it like tongue in cheek. So yeah. I missed him, and I was like, "Oh, uh, I do this podcast. Do you want? Do you want to come on it?" And he was like, "Yeah, why not?" And then, and then about a week later, because we we organised to do it at a certain point, and about a week later, he was like, "Call me," and I, like he messaged me saying, "Call me, call me now," and I was like, oh, "Okay." And he goes, and this was literally right after Colin Trevorrow got announced as the director, uh-huh. and. Um, yeah, and so I called him, and he was like, uh, "We've got Colin Javaro coming on the podcast." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "I just messaged him, and he said he'll come on." And uh, yeah, and it kind of all went from there. And I almost missed that interview as well. Oh man! Yeah, because um, I had a meeting at work in a in a place called Ipswich, which is a bit quite far away from where I lived, and we just got stuck in the worst traffic on the way home. Oh. And I literally, the uh, Jack. And uh, the other guy that was on the podcast at the time, a guy named Sam, he sort of just disappeared after that episode. But um, <laughs> you can hear, still hear him in like that interview. But um, yeah, they were already on the line, sort of keeping him sweet while I, like, I was driving home frantically. And um, <laughs> yeah, it sort of kind of went from there. And um, you know, after that night, I was just like, you know, we could let's see if we can get anyone else on. So I sort of, you know did some detective work and I was like oh I'm, I'm gonna see if I can reach out to Harvey Jason who's in the lost world and then I'm, I spoke to him and he was like yeah I'll do it and it sort of yeah just sort of snowballed from there mm-hmm. and uh, yeah <laughs> and that's in, continued to this day so <laughs> yeah it's a it's a interesting medium you know and it's it's great I think it allows so many of us to communicate together and, and find people that are you know similar in tastes and and all this stuff and we all become friends in that sense and you know basically everybody that I've had on here still talk to them all and uh, yeah it's a great community and I love the, the whole Jurassic podcasting community it's so so much fun yeah no it definitely is it's, you know what I like about them as well is they're all they're, they're all so different you know mm-hmm. we you know yours is like I've, I've said this to you before you know yours are so well produced and you know ours are like probably the complete opposite although i've got <laughs> although i'm gonna thank you publicly on the on the uh on your show for you know helping me out with some technical bits recently to um when i converted over to mac so thank you for that yeah oh god we, uh, we were talking about that before we started here and and anybody that doesn't know about podcasting it's it's a nightmare <laughs> like so it's not as simple as just posting something online and being done with it. it there's a lot of you know intricacies that go on with recording it and you know setting up the calls and you know just everything it, it's it's pretty tough so you know any way i can help out is it's always uh you know i'm always there for it 
No, no, it's good. You know, the, the quality, other than the interview in our last one, you know, was probably the best quality we've had in an episode. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's it's always good. You know, I like listening to good ones, and I can just imagine that a lot of other people prefer listening to the better quality ones. So good that we can get up there as well. So yeah, and it really all depends. Like it, you could have like a, a bad quality interview like sound quality or anything like that but it really depends on the content and if the content's there and if you're you're having a good time and, and people are interested in it then really doesn't matter you know people will look past that stuff so you just got to do what you can and people i think people will understand you know if you give a warning ahead of time or say something you know like ah, we had a hard time doing this interview it, it came together but you know it all worked out in the end i think people will understand you know and, and forgive you a little bit <laughs> it all happens we all do it yeah, yeah, I think our issue, though, real issue is consistency, <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, you, 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 you smash one out every week, and we, we, you know, like, between our last one and the one we did recently was, like, nine months, uh, although, we've, you know, we've got a couple on the horizon now, so it's going to be quite a quick turnaround on these, but, you know, we we sort of disappear for a while, and then we have, like, three or four in a row. I think the when... I think it was the end of 2015. We had something like four in a month, <laughs> and then like, we di- we disappeared for six months. It's just it's it's hard because we we do them around the guests and um, and they, they're, it's it's such a tough game getting the guests on. You know, mm-hmm. I've always said you know it's things get confirmed and then things get moved around. I think it was uh, Martin Ferrero, who was uh, Donald Gennaro, was meant to be like our third guest. And uh, we had it all booked in, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, um, just just send me an email in the, the morning just to remind me, and uh, we'll go from there." And um, so the day come, and I emailed him, didn't hear anything back. Oh. Emailed him again the next day, didn't hear anything back. <laughs> so I was like, "Okay, that's how it is." And then about it must have been, a, I think it was about a year later. We just got an email one day. It was like, "Oh yeah, sorry about that. Uh, so when are we going to do this?" <laughs> and it was just, oh, God. Okay, we'll do it then. <laughs> You're all like super angry on your end, like, dude, why did you not respond to me? And then like a year later, hey, when are we doing this? Is this happening? <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, it's just, there's been a lot of ones that have, you know, have got to that point and then they've disappeared and, you yeah. know, hopefully they get, you know, they email back at some point. But, you know, I understand people are busy. I think the, the, lo- the last thing on their agenda at the moment is coming on. A podcast with us and speaking about a film they did 20 years ago yeah yeah you kind of forget because we're all sort of entrenched in this like almost on a daily basis like thinking about these things and and then they come on and they're just like wait what what happened like yeah. that, was, that was a long time ago it's like someone asking you to oh, come talk about uh, your a job you did 20 years ago <laughs> what was that like you're like oh yeah um what do i remember <laughs> yeah don't i don't don't remember anything like <laughs> yeah yeah i know people you know ask me what uh what's my first like experience with jurassic park and stuff like that and i don't even remember like fully what the whole experience was of going to the theater and seeing it and all that stuff it's, i have like a vague you know memory of that time period but you know for for somebody who um it's just like acting on a daily basis and just going from job to job. It's just basically another job. So it, 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 I'm sure it makes impacts for people, but not always. But you got to think, you know, you look at some of these actors and they've got like 150 credits on IMDb yeah. and they might have shot like a handful of scenes over the course of a week. And, you know, that's, you know, 
bits and bits and bobs over the course of a week where they've dived into this universe and you know 20 years later it's not really gonna be fresh in their memory you know it's yeah. it's especially like um you know like we, we spoke to ariana richards and you know hopefully one day we'll get uh joe Mazzello on there and i'm just i sit there and i'm like i i'm a similar age to him and mm-hmm. i can't remember hardly anything <laughs> from <laughs> When I think if they filmed that in 1992, I'm just like, how how is he going to remember anything? Or even now, you see him in interviews and recent ones he did, and um, and they mentioned Jurassic Park, and I was like, is he just saying, you know, stuff that he thinks he should be saying, or does he actually remember all this stuff? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, you know, anybody will say if you're talking like with your family or something like that, and and they're referencing a period of time in your life, and you're like, oh yeah. I remember that or something, but you might not actually be remembering that period of time. Maybe you're remembering a video that you watched, a home video, or, or a, you know, a picture that was taken, and you're kind of inferring like what happened through stories, through your family and stuff like that. So I'm sure the same goes for them. Like they just kind of sort of remember, you know, based off of maybe behind the scenes footage or yeah, pictures so tr- and stuff like that. You know, so it's yeah, it just be tough triggers for them. their memory, doesn't it? Um, because. Um, this is this is an interesting fact. This is probably why a lot of us have such a fond memory of the Lost World, because um, thinking back to Jurassic Park, you know, I was eight when it came out, mm-hmm. and I don't remember. I have a few memories. I remember going to see it in the cinema. I I just remember walking into the cinema and seeing you know like the posters in the lobby, and then going in there and i remember the scene at the beginning you know with the uh the crane coming through with the raptor in it with muldoon and all of that and i just remember sitting there going because like the hype was you know the, the dinosaurs look real and the crane come out and i was like that dinosaur doesn't look real <laughs> because for some reason i just well, that's what they wanted you to you know assume when you're watching it like oh there's a dinosaur coming but it's not it's a crane and i was just like ah oh. That's just one thing that sticks out for me. But the only memory I have before the film is I was in my dad's kitchen and he had this little TV on the counter and there was a, there was a, the news was on and they were reporting it and I just didn't know what, what was going on. And it was the showing um, Grant and the kids running across, um, running from the uh, Gallimimuses. And um, I was just sitting there going... If they brought dinosaurs back to life, I don't know. You know, as a as a seven, <laughs> like seven, eight year old kid, it didn't compute. Yeah, and you know, because when the the news are doing their talking and they're like dinosaurs are back and all of that. So as a kid, you just you, you don't compute it right, and you're just like, are they? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember little bits and things. I remember going into toy shops and seeing the toys, but I, I can't, you know, for the life of me, think was that before the film come out? Was that after the film come out? You know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're the only few memories I have of the actual Jurassic Park. But I remember getting, like, the, the big red T-Rex. Um, it was rather for my birthday or Christmas. And and um, I remember, you know, when you squeezed it and the um, the mouth opened and it roared. I remember mm-hmm. the butt where your squeeze broke and I had to go back and get another one. And <laughs> just things like that. That's probably the only memories I have of the actual cinematic release of Jurassic Park originally but I remember getting the VHS tape and all of that yeah and I wonder like how much of it um, spawns from like you know have you heard of the Mandela effect like how it's just like you're making up this thing that never actually occurred in a way (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> I, I, I wonder that about myself because I remember like a movie theater opening up in my town and they were offering like 25 cent or 50 cent movies during its initial run. And I don't know if that was like 1993, but I remember pretty much remember, remember we saw Jurassic Park there. And I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm trying to remember if that was the initial run or if it was later on down the down the road sometime. I don't really know. I'm, I'm having a hard time like distinguishing when that was specifically. It's so yeah. funny. So funny how the how the mind works. <laughs> yeah, but it's a completely different story for the Lost World because I. Oh yeah. You know, it was only four years later, but I remember every single little thing of that. But then again, I was 12 years old when it came out, so yeah, my my, my memory was much more active there. You know, I don't remember going to see that one either. Like, I, I, there's, I have so many memories of that time period, but for some reason, like the act of going to the theater, I don't remember. I, I'm trying so hard to like think about it, but I can't. But just that time period, like you said, you're a little bit older now, and you can kind of familiarize yourself with a lot of what's going on, and and yeah. you're not confusing it with it being maybe real dinosaurs that are alive now. Like, so it's it's funny. It actually works out a little bit better. It, and the tone of this movie, The Lost World, is so killer. And so much of this movie sticks out in my mind, being like a, a kid of the 90s, late 90s, I guess. And um, just just watching this thing on VHS and, and throwing it in time after time. Did you have like a, a similar experience when you were young, I guess? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I remember a lot about The Lost World. I remember so many really insignificant things about it but i think that's you know i loved jurassic park and i got all the toys when i was a kid and i fell in love with it but i think the lost world made my love for jurassic world what it is today Mm -hmm. you know it's that whole period of the lost world i mean i remember going the day we went to see it i remember we went up to the cinema a week before and my dad was like oh i've got to pick up tickets uh, like book the tickets in and he come out and he was like oh they've sold out we won't be able to see it for ages and i was really bummed and then and then about three hours later i was only joking <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I was like, yes cruel <laughs> yeah and um i remember going to the cinema and it was um it's this place called lakeside and they had this cinema it was you'd go in and it just had this gigantic like glass lobby that was about three or four stories high mm-hmm. and they had this you know pretty much from the top of it all the way down to just above where the uh like the refreshments and confectionery was they had that big t-rex head you know the lost world promo picture of it oh, bursting. Yeah, yeah. and i was just like oh yes it's going down today <laughs> <laughs> and um like when you go through to your screen they had like the the big hallway leading up to the screens and they had on like both sides the big like foliage standees but going all the way up and it had giant something had survived and then it had like the the little wire peeking through at the end and it was just oh it's just such a great time <laughs> yeah yeah what if you could go back in time where would you go to i'd go back to that day i watched the lost world <laughs> that's yeah. not a bad choice that's not a bad choice there's something about that period of time whether it was just the style of the late 90s or what but like that promo material and all this stuff, like you said, the standees and that foliage and that look of like the VHS and, and all anything that was related to that movie. It was so, so different than the first movie. And yeah, like at that time, like I have the um, 
like the the soundtrack and it has that fold out thing and, and you can like unfold all the little dinosaurs in there like stuff yeah. like that is is incredible it was like the perfect time i guess for this movie to come out and um yeah like I, that was a point of time where i started to remember a little bit more and started to dive into movies a little bit more and the collecting i think specifically for me not well, maybe not so much collecting back then but gathering of toys i guess um that's really what hooked me and, and made me like a lifelong fan because it really solidified like my love of the series based off these toys specifically did you have like a, a similar thing with the toys or were you not into them as much no i didn't i didn't i think i was a little bit too old for the toys at that point i didn't get any lost world toys but Ooh. i I got a lot of stuff. Um, I remember <laughs> it was my birthday's in September, and for my birthday I got the the making of book. You know the um, mm-hmm. the one that pretty much everyone's got now. I got that. Yep. <laughs> I got that soundtrack you're talking about. Um, I've got that in my. I actually put that away today. I was clearing some stuff out, and I've got. I bought a new one recently, like one in mint condition, because my old one is pretty much on death's door. But um, yeah, I, um, I got that, and I got the PlayStation One game, mm-hmm. The Lost World. And um, yeah, so it was just you know like three or four months after the film had come out, I was just still all, all you know, it was all about The Lost World, and you know it was. I can't remember a film having such a merchandise or a tie-in thing as the lost world did in the uk but then again it might be just because i was actually paying attention but the lost world was on everything it was you know every every sweet every you know crisps or things like that was all the lost world i remember i've got i've got a folder somewhere god knows where it is but it's full of it i don't know if you see them i don't know if they did them in the u.s but they had like skips or a crisp over here crisp brand and and there were these little flat cards and you push them up and these like they were like little di- the lost world dinosaur stand up things mm. I, I remember just buying loads of skips to get all <laughs> of them and I've, I've got them all in a folder and they were really cool just little things like that that yeah. you know, I collected and um, for the lost world and yeah and I, I just remember hours and hours and hours trying to get through that game as well <laughs> past the comedy level yeah, that that whole time period, because I remember I took a trip down to Disney. Uh, it must have been 1998, and it was like a road trip kind of thing. And I remember we, we stopped off um, some, you know, southern United States, uh, you know, uh, a food store or something. I forget what it was. And we go inside trying to get, you know, pick up some food for the trip. And and uh, I remember seeing, like, the Lost World cereal like on the shelf yeah and it's like it's not like we need any any extra stuff to tote along on this trip but i'm like i need this cereal box and it's world. It, and it was just like like a cereal box is something that you know you just throw out you just be done with it once you're done right you know you don't keep it but this thing like the artwork on it was so cool it had that crazy like green uh look to it with the with the whole different they actually had like when you look back on the Lost World stuff, there was like so many different brands of marketing. There was like that that sort of like the the logo itself was dark and dingy and kind of, you know, crazy looking. And then there was like the neon and then all the other stuff, the brighter marketing. Yeah. So that was like the uh, the cereal box. I remember picking that up. I had it for a long time. It's got to be somewhere in a box. I'm just like I'm 
killing myself over where where it went like I I remember I had it on my shelf literally probably until a few years ago and then I think I packed it away I just can't find what happened to it so that's gonna irk me for a long time but <laughs> maybe I can pick one up on eBay yeah nah I mean yeah it's just the Lost World merchandise is really cool you know as you said it's got you know whether it's the bright green sort of luminous cool stuff um we actually did a um, redo our website um i don't know if you've seen it we've got a holding page on there at the yes. moment um but we've done it in that jack wanted to do it in that sort of lost world luminous green to celebrate the 20th yeah. anniversary and i was like yeah we'll do that why not um but yeah i just that's the, that's what i love about lost world i love that sort of dark gritty abandoned kind of um you know just oh <laughs> i could talk about it all day long <laughs> yeah, I, I I went to your site earlier and I was looking at. I love like the new looking logo and 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 the whole, you know, the green background. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's what the the cereal box looked like. It's like I think there was that, um, what, what whether it was like a junior novel. I think it had like pictures and stuff inside. Like that period of time was just all all of a sudden about like amassing all this junk essentially as a kid and just putting it on shelves and and a lot of us still have it all it's so weird how how much it impacted us all yeah yeah and um i think what else made the lost world so cool as well is that you know jurassic park was big it was huge and that but you know as you were growing up you know years were going by and you were like i like jurassic park and everyone was like really you know it's that film because you know it's when you're sort of like 10 11 12 you, kids just like to like what is popular at that time mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden when the lost world came out there's a show in the uk called uh, it's still going today it's called news round it's basically on when all the kids shows are on and uh, it's basically like news for kids and they did like a whole week on the lost world and i was just like look jurassic park's on tv and just <laughs> things like that that was great but, um, and they went to they went to the set and they 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 did like interviews with um, uh, Vanessa Chester and I think Jeff Goldblum and that and I've I've tried to find them on like YouTube or the dark depths of the internet and no luck unfortunately. No. Hmm. no. I always wonder, you know, that that's part of the good thing about doing a podcast is you can talk to people from all over the world, and I I never really knew what it was like for other people experiencing this like you said when you were searching the internet and you all of a sudden found you know forums and different things you're like oh there's more people than just myself but like i always wonder like what are other people experiencing around the world what kind of stuff are they seeing and and i love hearing stuff like that about that that show that you know did all the behind the scenes stuff yeah yeah as i said you know for some reason i just assumed that i was the only Jurassic Park fan in the world (laughs) up until that point but um, yeah, in terms of collector stuff, I, I've I've got like my still got my original Lost World behind the scenes book, but it's a bit ratty now. And I I rebought that as well when I rebought the soundtrack, um, like a mint condition one. And I've got little bits and bobs, but yeah, I didn't delve into the toys. It's a funny story with the toys is that I, I think it's kids they do it to you when you know i had a box full of my old jurassic park stuff i never kept it in like mint condition mm-hmm. like mint condition and that i had all the toys and there was bits that i picked up over the years but then when we had our first kid i was just we had like a, a little two-bedroom flat and i was just had this box of jurassic park stuff all like there all the time just mm-hmm. gathering dust and i was just like, i've just got to get rid of this stuff so i gave the uh, toys 
to my kids and I just cleared the rest of it out and that is what I, I think what I'm into now I like the posters I'm a big poster man now yeah that's that's a, an obsessive hobby as well <laughs> yeah I, I think I paid I ended up paying like 50 pounds for an original Jurassic Park cinema poster and oh, nice. I've got that frame I've got that framed upstairs and I've got a Lost World one which um I got when we went and met Harvey Jason a couple of months ago I got him to sign that and I'm gonna just keep it until I can get as many Lost World signatures on it as I can yeah that's, I'll get that's that, such I'll a get good that idea framed. that's so cool yes yeah. and the, but this is you know because I say like uh, you know I'm not the sort of person who gets the box toys and puts them on the shelf but I no. paid a lot of money to get that Jurassic Park poster framed <laughs> With um, it was like UV glass, which stops like the like the sun bleaching on yeah. it and things like that. So you know, we've all got our own little tastes and that, that we'll spend <laughs> money on. So, well, yeah. I think the the thing happens when you become an adult is like you have to share your space and you can't always just have you know yeah. all your toys and and junk laying around. So it's uh, it's all about finding the right stuff to put up and you gotta you gotta use your space wisely. I guess I have a, a bunch of posters. Um, I have that. There's a really cool like Isla Nublar poster, and it, it looks kind of like an old map or something like that. That's like nicely framed. I got that as a gift. I have these. Oh yeah, these you like, see them on the um, do you, like things like Etsy and that. You know, exactly. I think it's, that's where it's it was dangerous. Got. It's dangerous for me to go on that website yeah. and see their posters. <laughs> we went to um, Comic Con, the U- the London Comic Con last year. Was, uh, me, we had we got press passes and. Um, I, I took my mate and my wife and his wife and um, there was a store that sold um, all them style Etsy Jurassic World uh, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World posters and I just shelled out loads of money and bought Jurassic Park and Lost World ones they're all sitting in my cupboard waiting to be framed but framing <laughs> <an> ain't cheap <laughs> that's the part of uh, the, the problem of being a, a poster collector is they end up sitting in like you know, a drawer or somewhere for a long time until you can find the money to get frames. Cause frames are super expensive. You know, it's yeah. not, it's not as simple as just buying a frame. You get a, you can buy right a size frame, and... but yeah, but yeah, it's the pub, tough. They bubble up on that, but you know, you have to get them freshly done. I've got, like, I've got so many posters in there and it's some of them I just throw away sometimes. I've got one that I do want to get framed. I've got an original Bill and Ted's bogus journey. one, <laughs> And that's like really old as well. And I want to get yeah. that framed, but it's, it's massive. And I'm just like, that's going to cost a lot of money to get that framed. And where am I going to put it? Yeah, yeah. Luckily, I have some space. I just need to find some money for these frames. I do have like some of those giant movie poster size. I think Back to the Future and uh, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I got to find a spot for these or find a frame. I don't know. I, I guess it's just I got to take it somewhere and get it framed because it's kind of hard to find them otherwise. Yeah, I think as well the, the what is putting me off getting them framed as well is that um, when we moved I had an original Lost Boys poster that mm-hmm. um, you know the film The Lost Boys yeah um, that I paid quite a lot of money for and quite a bit of money to get it framed and in the moving van it got broken the frame but not only was the glass broken it had pierced through the actual poster so oh. I couldn't even save the poster so that oh. was a real bummer man you know, I'm looking at uh, pictures of the Lost World here and stuff, and I would love if there were, I don't know if it exists or not, but you know, like, this style of the VHS, you know how it had that, like, really eerie-looking clouds, and it's sort of, like, uh, yellowish, and then it had the tree line and all that and the mountains and stuff. 
I would love like that style of like movie poster with the Lost World logo in the center. That would be so awesome. Yeah, I know there were some uh, quite quite funky VHS ones. I mean, you, I've got a couple of the Jurassic Park VHS ones. You know, it's got that raptor, um, the really weird looking raptor with the amber eye and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. But um, there's quite a few VHS ones knocking about, but they're they're um, landscape ones. Mm-hmm. And I, I, for some reason, I don't like landscape posters, <laughs> I, I've portrait style ones. I've got the landscape Jurassic Park uh, 2011 re-release poster and that, mm-hmm. but I've, I probably won't get that framed because I don't know. But yeah, no, I know what you mean. I've I've two two cool posters that I do have is the I've got two Japanese Lost World ones. One is the Lost World logo and with like Japanese writing on for the Lost World. And the other is the, the that T Rex head smashing through, mm-hmm. and it's just got the uh, the Lost World logo in the corner with the Japanese writing on it. They're, yeah. they're pretty cool. They're, they've got collectors numbers on the back of them as well. So, so I guess aside from you know hitting at the right time and all that, what about this movie specifically? I guess speaks to you. Is it is it first off? Is it you know number two or is it number one on your list? Where does that fall? Um, I mean, when people ask me what's your favourite film, I say Jurassic Park, but I always follow it up with Jurassic Park 1 and 2. I I hold them both as my favourite film. You know, I think, you know, Jurassic Park is the better film, but The Lost World is a greater film, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. (laughs) You know, it's just, it has all the elements of Jurassic Park and, you know, they just turn it up to 11 as well. You know, it's got Ian Malcolm in the lead, you know, which, you know, Malcolm's always been my favourite character. Yeah. You know, even like all kids wanted to be Dr. Grant. I was like, no, I want to be Ian Malcolm, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, but, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, I love that dark tone, you know, as, as we were saying earlier, that gritty, that grittiness to the lost world. It's just, it appeals to me so much. And mm-hmm. I think, um, I spoke to someone the other day about, um, something totally unrelated, something to do with work, um, with like my production company and that. And we started talking about the lost world and he was like, oh yeah, yeah. I like Jurassic Park and that. And we just brought it up and he goes, you know what? He goes, the lost world it gets a bit of a bad rap he goes but i think i actually like it just as much as jurassic park and it was i didn't sort of lead him into it or anything like that and it was just i was just like yes this person he knows it he knows exactly what you know the most of the jurassic park fans are thinking you know i think a lot of people are afraid to admit they like the lost world as much as jurassic park in case someone else you know pulls them down but i think it's just such a great movie yeah what is not to like about the lost world i don't know i i uh i guess uh, on my twitter recently uh hunter from the universal orlando podcast he he called out to me and he's like jurassic park 3 is a far superior movie to the lost world and i'm like what <laughs> how no that's not possible like the lost world like we, you were just talking about it's like neck and neck with jurassic park and it is sort of like you don't want to admit it's better but at times you feel like it is and i have that same thing with like raiders of the lost ark you know that's like known to be basically one of the best films ever made but for me i i kind of like 
Last Crusade a little bit more, even though I know it's the the Raiders is is more superior to Last Crusade. So it's sort of like that same kind of thing. But he's arguing with me on this about Jurassic Park three being better, and I'm like, man, the Lost World <laughs> is like one of the best things ever made. So I don't know how you could say that. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Of course, but you're wrong about that. <laughs> you're, you're wrong about that. <laughs> but no, I I, I actually. Temple of Doom is probably I I but you know that's just my taste. I'd prefer Temple of Doom to um Last Crusade. Yeah. But that's I'm not saying I'm not gonna sit here and argue why. It's just I think it's just a, a nostalgia thing because I must have seen Temple of Doom about eight thousand times when I was growing up and the others not a touch on how many times I'd watched Temple of Doom. Yeah, we can so, we can all sit here and argue as to what's better in any series or anything in general, but I think it really does come down to nostalgia and, and how much you took it in as a kid. And like I said, like these toys for me were the thing that did it. And also watching this movie, The Lost World, on VHS over and over and over and over and, and just seeing that opening scene and getting that dark and gritty feel. Just from a VHS alone, it has that sort of like, you know, gritty feel, staticky feel. And then yeah. the opening of that movie is is just it sells it so hard like the music it's so ominous and you you get that basically roaring water uh it's so awesome it's just like you know uh, shooting up on the rocks and everything it's just such an awesome feel and the fact that it kind of uh it's our i guess our first experience of like going back to the the novel and seeing you know, a scene that we missed out on in the first film. And it's so cool to get that kind of experience yeah. again. You know, it's a little bit different, but, uh, you you know, it's the same vibe, I guess. I, I actually prefer the Lost World novel to the Jurassic Park novel. Yeah. I just think it's, it's you know, I don't dislike the Jurassic Park novel, but I just find the Lost World much more enjoyable to read. And, you know, it's just, it's very dark as well. You know, especially when it comes to like the raptor scenes and things like that in the novel, it's just yeah, no, nah. yeah, but yeah. That... There's almost we've never actually like hit the darkness. I feel like of the novels, it's a little bit different, but you know, we we come close, and this is this is very close, and it's so dark, and I think that's what's what's the most to love of this movie. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I think with the Lost World as well, the you know why fans are appreciating it much more now because you know when we first started saying about the lost world you know we like it just as much you know two or three years ago there's a little bit of a blowback but you got a lot of fans now who are open to it and you know they are like yeah the lost world is good you know i think i don't know <laughs> it's just well there, yeah there's still that stigma as to why it's a bad film for some people i i don't get it i really I can understand like what they're saying, you know, if they're saying specifically that the gymnastics ruins it for them. I'm like, okay, that I maybe it's dumb, but who cares? Like it's it's but, fun and, and and it pays off, you know, they set it up early in the film and it pays off in the end and it, you know, it's fun. Yeah, but people say that, but it's like, okay, Tim gets squashed in a car, thrown into a tree. <laughs> electrocuted on how many volts for them fences like 10,000 10, volts or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you know he grant throws him off of the uh, the skeleton and then the skeleton falls on top of him at the end and he's still alive so you know that's that's just as cheesy as the acrobat scene as well 
Exactly. The gymnastics thing, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 all relative, and I think as we get older, we sort of get more jaded when it comes to certain things. And anybody who looks back on the Lost World, if you're like searching through Twitter for the Lost World, you see people are like, "Oh, that's so dumb," or "This is dumb," or you know, he shouldn't have been the lead actor and stuff. I feel like people are just becoming more jaded when it comes to these things, and I think you have that same fault flaw when uh, you talk about Indiana Jones, like we were just discussing, like people hate the kingdom of the crystal skull but when you talk about ridiculous scenes your favorite one temple of doom has probably the most ridiculous moment in (laughs) in all the movies it's like jumping out of an airplane with a a tube you know a a boat going down a mountain flying off a mountain just in the middle of the air landing in the water going through (laughs) it's just ridiculous like that's not possible at all so you kind of have to look at it all relatively and and gymnastics scene is not that bad (laughs) Yeah, it never the gymnastics scene never phased me until no. people started bringing it up. It never phased me once because all I was thinking was how awesome do them raptors look in the scene? Yeah, like especially because they're the animatronic raptors. You know, I don't have a beef whether something's animatronic or um, CGI. You know, mm-hmm. I just want to have the best film that we can possibly have out of any of the Jurassic Park films. So, you know, whether it's animatronic or CGI, whatever. Yeah. It's going to make for the better film. That's my opinion on that. But them raptors looked so good in the Lost World in that gymnastics scene. They did. Yeah, that whole that whole sequence. Uh, I think they, they sort of did what Jurassic Park did and saved them for the end, you know, kind of, uh, you know, for the last uh, battle, I guess you could say. And, and that's what the raptors did in both films. And these ones are even more shocking and even scarier. And, and yeah. it's they're so, so cool. And uh, those basically like tiger stripes. And they're more, you know, feral in a way, like more violent. Yeah, it's, it's wild it's so animals, cool. aren't they? Vicious. Mm-hmm. They've got a real vicious tone about them. And the long grass scene is just like horrific. Yeah. And you talk about set pieces like what what film is better and yeah we got the t-rex breakout and that the ending of jurassic park but like set pieces in this like the like the long grass or the trailer sequence there's so many good ones and you can't like deny that it's it's awesome and i I don't know what it is like people just don't like it for some reason i think it's the, the the tension in the lost world as well plays a big part you know there were some tense scenes in jurassic park but in the lost world you know, you've got like the Sarah on the glass. You know, that's yeah. really that's really intense. But for me, and I was rewatching it the other day, and my wife um, came in the room and watched this scene with me, and I was just like, "This is one of my favourite scenes in the whole franchise." Is you know, in the tent when Kelly and uh, Sarah are asleep, and the T Rex comes along, doesn't it? And the eye sort of peeks in the little opening <laughs> in the back of the tent, and it was just. That is a scary scene, and it's so intense that it just slowly creeps its head in, and the music's yeah. just like, and Malcolm's just standing there, isn't he? Just helpless, and it's just, oh, it's just such a great scing. Yeah, there's it's just, some... and it's scary as well. Even, I think when we spoke to Vanessa Chester and that, she was just like, you know, it's filmmaking, but having that giant T-Rex head there above you, it's still scary. <laughs> you know, the fact that even if it's an animatronic, and it's, oh, it's just. I love that scene. <laughs> yeah, there, there's so much going on in that sequence, and, and the 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 Rex like terrifying that group and stepping on Carter, and and then uh, uh, what's his name? Um, 
Burke. Burke, yeah. Like ripping him out from the waterfall, like the the even just the snake going in his clothes. You're you're writhing as you're watching it, like getting freaked out, and mm. thing just pulls him out, and the blood comes down, and it's and then Malcolm comes through. It's so fantastic, and I love yeah. him in this movie. He he's almost. I mean, yeah, he's got some of the best lines in like movie history in, in the first one, but he's so good in the second one. Oh yeah, Lost World Malcolm for me is way. You know, I'm not saying that Jurassic Park Malcolm is not good. I'm just saying Lost World Malcolm for me is top character of the whole franchise. Where he's he's you know it's no disrespect to um, John Hammond, but yeah, Lost World Malcolm for me is is just the whole film is just. He, he just can't catch a break because no one it just seems for the whole film no one listens to him whatever he says <laughs> yeah nobody listens to him and things go wrong from start to finish yeah the best part about it is that he has changed you know since the first movie he's not as suave and and not as as cool you know and and just this awesome dude that you want to hang out with he's scared and he's he's you know, running around, trying to fix things, trying to save the day, but he's just not that guy. And that's the point, I think. And a lot of people struggle with him as, you know, a lead. But I think he he pulls it off so well because he embodied, you know, a person that went through a traumatic experience and is now, like, you know, distraught on this island trying to get off. He, he Malcolm in The Lost World is... is basically us we are channeled through malcolm because we know what went on before and we're the ones sitting there as well saying don't do that don't go there you know listen to him (laughs) don't take dinosaurs off the island (laughs) and you know i think out of all the characters from the first movie he was the perfect one to you know be our our avatar for the film and people are still clamoring for it you know even though people don't like the fact that he was the lead in that movie you know there's people out there that don't like it but we all still want him to come back in some way, shape, or form, and you know maybe not be an, another lead, but to have at least a cameo of some sort. He's just he's just uh, an amazing actor, and he fully represents this series. Yeah, and he, he's got a love for the series as well, because mm-hmm. I think no matter what interview or TV interview you see him on or read about, Jurassic Park always comes up. Yeah. So, and he seems to talk about it with you know. That he, he he likes it and he enjoys it right you know a lot of actors when they call back to a film they did 20 30 years ago you know just like oh you know <laughs> but he, for him he just he loves it and he embraces it <laughs> yeah he's he is one of a kind and you know if if this character had gone to some other actor or you know something else it, it never would have you know spoke volumes the way it does to all of us it would have been completely different you know the the book wasn't necessarily the way he did it, but he made it his own and, and uh, never looked back. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, what was... Um, I mean, on your last show, you did you did the... Um, was it the pivotal scenes? Yeah. But what was your favorite scene of The Lost World? I, you know, I I did the pivotal scene, and my pivotal scene, or, or most impactful, was the very end where John Hammond is giving his little speech on the TV and uh, I think I think it's got to be that or or like the the whole um I guess you could call it like the toy box scene where they're setting up the the trip and they're you know you first meet um 
you know Vince Vaughn's character, and you yeah. you meet you know Richard Schiff's character character, and uh, and you're seeing all this equipment that they're gathering, and and uh, and then Kelly gets into the the trailer, and and you know the whole music starts to grow, and then it turns into Malcolm's journey, like yeah. that to me is is so amazing, and and the whole boat sequence, even if you're extending it a little bit farther, like them being on the boat and finding out that this, you know, the five deaths and all that stuff. It's so, yeah. so awesome. So dark. And then like the triumphant, like adventure theme, you know, comes alive and you see these vehicles, you know, just going across the Island. That's like such an awesome moment in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I d- that cut as well from the, um, looking at the map and then cut into sort of like the aerial shot of mm-hmm. the boat and the music just when it, you know, just kicks in right there to the, um, it's like the half, isn't it? It's like the dun dun dun. Yeah. Oh, that's another moment. Yeah, that 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 like harp or whatever it is, like it's just it's so I don't know, majestic sounding. It sounds yeah. dumb, but like it's just something about that like tone of the music and everything in Malcolm's journey. It just like brings this movie to life. Yeah, I think as well when uh, that is such a great track. So when I stick the soundtrack on in the car, I, I always skip the track three, which is Malcolm's Journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you just can't wait to get to. You got to go there right away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because the, I think the opening track is the theme anyway, which is in Malcolm's Journey. And mm-hmm. you know, when you're in the car listening to the, it's a cool, a very cool and a very eerie track, which is track two, which is the opening track of the film. Yeah, but it's not really for driving because it's really quiet (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i don't know like the tone would have been nothing without john williams score underneath and Mm. you know he killed it it's just like it's so different from anything he's ever done at that point in time and it's just it really brings to life that you know old school adventure tone you know whether it was something from like king kong or anything like that it feels you know wild i guess yeah yeah, no, and, and I think The Lost World is a forgotten soundtrack, but it's just yes. a, so many good tracks on it. I it, I think it's Jurassic Park has got the best theme, obviously, but The Lost World has the best overall soundtrack like every, for every track. I, that's mm-hmm. my opinion, but I'm, there's probably a lot of people out there who agree with me. So, Oh, yeah, I think I'd agree. I think there's a, a few, like... Um, I don't know, like, okay moments throughout the first one, but the, the second one knocks it out every time, and and even now we got, you know, the expanded soundtrack, and it's even better. Like, it's just yeah. so good. And the fact that we have more than 14 tracks, I think was the initial count, like, it's it's amazing. It always bugged me for years when, because, um, you know, Eddie's death, um, when the T-Rexes uh, come in from, uh, like, close in from the jungle, mm-hmm. and um, there's... Like in the film, there's like bells, you know, when they step out, it's like dun dun, and that was never yes. on the original soundtrack, but on the uh, the extended one, it's on there. Yeah, yeah, we got so much like that. That's the thing. Like, there's only there was only like 14 tracks, and I, I just kept comparing it to the original score, and I'm like, man, there's so many more on this one, and you get so much more content. So where is it? Why is it not here? Yeah, and you know, talking with. Uh, uh, Michael Madicino about the, the score itself and just where everything was sitting and just basically on a shelf. It's just like I've been stressing out about this for years and it's just been sitting on a shelf waiting to come out and just blows my mind that it finally is here. Well, that's one of the big um, big things for most of the Jurassic Park fans, isn't it? They want them deleted scenes. They're just sitting somewhere 
yeah. in a warehouse. <laughs> They're sitting in the warehouse that's in Indiana Jones in some crate, <laughs> sitting under 8,000 other crates. Oh, it's heartbreaking, man. Like, yeah, when it's, and when... it's sitting under crates of Baby's Day Out deleted <laughs> things and things like that, just lost. <laughs> That's the heartbreaking thing is like talking to to him about that score. It's like these things were on the verge of falling apart, you know, and just disintegrating. And the fact that you know a, a studio will let that happen before it transitions this stuff to digital and and creates all these great copies, like. It's just sad that how much is lost, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it is. Uh, but as as we said, with you know at the start, it's for us. This is like a big thing. But for the <laughs> studio or anyone else outside of the circle, it's just another film for them. Yeah. yeah. How well, we brush past every other film in on Netflix or in a in a <laughs> DVD shop, just you know going to stuff we're interested in that's the same for the studio people and that isn't it it's just another film in the collection yeah i think we're at this point in time now where universal's starting to realize what they have in their hands for some reason it took four films to make that happen but yeah i think they're on the verge of realizing that this is bigger than you know anything else they have so let's do something with it and let's let's uh you know give the fans what they've been wanting for a long time and give it that star wars level of of hype and anticipation and all that and it's uh it's gonna work out well for them oh yeah i think it you know i think they wanted um jurassic world to make they expected a lot of money but i don't think they expected it to at the time become the third um biggest movie of all time Mm -hmm. which eventually dropped to um uh, Force Awakens wasn't it? it dropped yeah. to four, but you know I think it took everyone by storm. The funny thing about that is that um, you know I see a couple of previews, but then I took my wife to see it on the morning of release, and then I took my kids that night um, after school to see it. So I'd seen it like four times by the time it had bloody <laughs> it had um, got on, it got to release date, and yeah. um, like on the release date, but then my kids were in love with it and I was like okay we'll go and see it again at the weekend and it was sold out and then the next weekend I was like okay we'll go this we'll go this weekend and watch it again and it was sold out and it was about three weeks in a row it was just sold out and it just kept making absolute tons of cash and you know and yeah and I think it took everyone by surprise you know yeah I think and it's just people love Jurassic Park and I think the UK is especially a big Jurassic Park haven as well. Yeah. You know, it, it's, you know, um, in terms of like, uh, you know, they re-released it. I don't know why they chose to re- chose to re-release it in 2011 over here. I don't know what, you know, maybe there was a, a calling back then, but it went unnoticed to me, you know, any kind of reason for that. But I think with the... Um, you know, this is a good segue into it with like the Royal Albert Hall shows. You know, it's that that's on tour at the moment. You know, going to various places in the world, and it's like selling out and yeah. that. But it, they did it in London, the launch, and it sold out four nights in a row. Wow! Matinee and evening show. <laughs> you know, no other, wow. no other one of them films in concert shows did more than a day whereas Jurassic Park oh, really? like four days wow. you know, it's madness yeah you know I've seen Back to the Future and Raiders of the Lost Ark in concert 
And yeah, they were great. But I, yeah, like you said, I think there was only like one showing around here per one per film. But um, yeah, Jurassic Park. I don't know what it is. Somebody people just want to see this movie on screen. I think it's the dinosaurs itself. You know, I think that's what pulls people in. But that's awesome. And you had the chance actually to go behind the scenes and kind of document what this this concert was for everybody. So I guess tell everybody about that because that, that was an insane experience. Yeah. Um... Oh yeah, the, I mean that's it's it's kind of a strange story because um, it did it started out as nothing, you know. We I think myself and Jack bought tickets to the um, one of the show-ins and we was going to meet up and go down there, and then I was just like, you know what, it could it could make for some nice nice video content if we did something, you know, for the event. You know, we went down there and maybe shot a little bit, do a little fan meetup because there was a lot of, of the UK fans sort of blowing up on Twitter saying, yeah, yeah, we should go, we should do a fan meetup. And we were just, you know, we were going to do that. But then I sort of, um, I sort of just out of an off chance sort of just rung the Royal Albert Hall up and um, just sort of said, you know, oh, um, do you mind if we come down and shoot some stuff in there? And one of the people there actually knew of the podcast and it sort oh, really? of just... <laughs> yeah, and it just sort of went from there, and you know, we had a chat, and then the um, the producers got involved in the production company, and I went down there for a meeting, and they were just like, "Yeah, we want you to, um, we want you to shoot a behind the scenes documentary for us if you wanted to, if you know, you can get a little crew together and things like that." And I was just like, "Yeah, why not?" <laughs> um, and it was sort of like it was a weird thing because it was like, "Yeah, we did that," and then it because the, they released tickets about nine or ten months before the actual shows. So then it was about eight months of nothing, just silence. And, I, you know, every now and then I'd just check in with them and that and just say, you know, any any news or any updates? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> so it was just a bit <laughs> weird. And then about a week before, it was just like all, all systems go, you know. We got, um, you know, we had to put all the planning in place and uh, I, I actually got in touch with a, a friend of a friend who runs who's like a who's like a proper um videographer and things like that and we got chatting and got a little crew together and um actually james you know james hawkins and yeah. steve burrell you know they've been on your show they they come along to be sort of production runners and things like that uh, to help out and um my mate joel who um do you remember the guy a couple of years ago he bought the big t-rex foot yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's Joel. He he helped out as well. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it's a bit weird because I knew him through. I knew Joel through someone else, and then when that or that thing about the big foot, someone buying the big foot, I was like, "That's Joel. Why is he buying? Why is he spending eight hundred pounds on a big foot? He's got. I'm, what is I'm he sure going to do with it? Yeah, and uh, I think that was his, exactly his faults once he bought it. What am I going to do with this? But um, yeah, we went down there, and you know we. We got down there early and, you know, driving through central London during rush hour on a weekday is not fun, especially when there's five blokes and a hell of a lot of camera equipment in the car. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but it was kind of, it was just such a cool experience. You know, the Royal Albert Hall, I'd never really been there and I don't think any of the other guys had been there for anything. And, you know, we just got sort of got free run of the place and we, we got in there and they were putting all the screens up. And then when we were doing some sort of um, just some like B-roll, and that they 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 were playing the film and they were playing it with just audio only like um without the music mm -hmm. so it was just and I, I spoke to i think this was on our last podcast we mentioned this it was just yeah. 
so weird watching Jurassic Park and all them iconic scenes like the Brachiosaurus, you know, um, reveal, you know, the welcome to Jurassic Park yeah, with no music. <laughs> it was just such a weird experience. That's got to be incredible. That's like one of the things I would just love to hear that. Like, like just watch the whole film that way. Yeah, it's just weird. And like the journey to the island and things like that. It's just like the helicopter's just going like... <laughs> and then you hear like them having their conversation. And things like that. It's just so weird. Uh, but, um, you know, you watch a film for almost 25 years and in a certain way. And then you watch it in a different way. It's, it's, it's a different experience. Um, and then the, the orchestra got there. And, you know, throughout the day we were filming what we needed to film. And... Um, then they did sort of like the rehearsal and that was really cool sort of because the Royal Albert Hall is, you know, I'm not just saying this because, you know, I'm from London, but it's probably the most, it's the grandest and the best venue for anything like that, any kind of orchestra thing in the world. You know, it's basically like a coliseum. It's yeah. just fantastic. It's beautiful. It does look And like it, yeah. just sitting there, you know, me and the guys and that helping out and, just having our own private Jurassic Park concert with the orchestra because there was like no one else in the in the building and the auditorium and it was just it was an insane experience and they did that like two or three times and we were in, we got to interview like the producer Steve Linder and things like that and it was really cool and they they did they busted out um, some Lost World stuff as well for the uh, the um, you know, when they did the break halfway through, mm-hmm. uh, halfway through the show as well, they did, did a little uh, Lost World jam for that and things like that. That was really cool. That's awesome. But, but yeah, and um, it was a very, very long day. but And it was hard to not be distracted because we were there to do a job, but then we're just like, yeah, I want to watch and listen to Jurassic Park while I'm yeah. there. But... <laughs> Yeah, it was a it was a real it was a real cool experience, you know. And it was you know the guys and that like Steve and James and um, Joel who were helping out, and we're just standing on stage in the middle of like the orchestra while they're pumping out the Jurassic Park theme, and it's just it was just such a surreal experience and that. And also like seeing all like the the individual instruments, there was. Listen, I've got about 10 hours of footage <laughs> left wow. yeah. from the whole day because we put together the little documentary and then we also did some like Jurassic cast stuff which I just haven't got around to editing yet which you know I will do soon and that and there's there's like footage of just like some one guy standing there next to a piano for the whole song and then he hits like three keys and that's it that's his <laughs> whole role for the whole song and it's just yeah. like yeah oh. <laughs> it's just <laughs> they got people there for every little thing and that and it was just it was really cool and um but yeah no you can people can find that it's um it's on uh, my production company's website practical-creative.com um it, it's on the homepage there you can link to it and that it's um but yeah it's and we will have a uh, sort of like the b-roll kind of Jurassic Park goes to the Royal Albert Hall uh, Jurassic cast goes to the Royal Albert Hall edit coming soon but it's <laughs> I can't see it being any shorter than an hour long yeah seriously there's so much cool stuff that I go through with the footage every now and then I'm like I want to put that in there I want to put that in there I want to put that in there and I'm like 
God, I've got like an hour's worth of footage just there. Yeah, I'm sure you wanted to make it manageable for you know casual fans to just kind of pick up and watch and see what's going on behind the scenes. So you had to make it short enough, but all that extra footage, man, that's going to be awesome to see some more stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I had an idea just to put it out as um, a band I liked called CKY years ago. They just put out a DVD called Chopped and Slice, mm-hmm. and it was about four hours of just any footage and every footage there was no sort of story to it or no structure it was just all put in there in sort of a chronological order and it yeah. was a real interesting watch and i was just thinking maybe i should just do something like that you know just put it all in order and then just stick it out there maybe in like three or four parts but yeah 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 get a few um copyright strikes on the youtube account <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> true <laughs> yeah but um no it was really cool yeah yeah, that must have been an awesome experience. Just seeing it all happen, watching you guys do it from behind the scenes, like that must have been awesome. And and like I said, hearing that that film without music, like just for as much as you did, like it's got to be so interesting to kind of, you know, uh, we have a few scenes, I guess, in the movie where there's nothing, you know, just sound effects and you hear the the jungle and stuff like that. But to kind of get that whole experience that, that would be something you know super awesome to have like on a dvd or something like that to click the option to not have music or to you know not well, have certain things well we've got the footage of it i'm sure there's going to be stuff in the um like the edit that i put together that yeah. you'll see bits and bobs of that you know that'll be, be awesome. in there but um yeah but i advise anyone who who can who has the opportunity to go and see uh, Jurassic Park with a, a live orchestra do it because when when especially at the end you know when the T-Rex comes in and saves the day that moment when that just kicks in it's just you know you find yourself welling up and and the Brachiosaurus mm-hmm. scene as well with the welcome to Jurassic Park yeah you know I was, I was just like oh I've got something in my eye <laughs> something like that <laughs> Yeah, it's just I was just it was a magical experience. Yeah. You know? So how was it for you though? Because like I know I've I, like I said I've been to two of these and I found that uh, I see the mo- the movie in a different sense almost. I I um I hear different things or sometimes I don't hear things that I've I've heard before. Um I you know I don't know what it is but at least with the ones I've seen they've kind of sounds like they ducked down the the sound effects a little bit so it's not as noticeable not as impactful and you can hear the music a lot more did you have any kind of experience like that watching it in? no well no that's exactly what you just said there because when i was sort of researching into it for the filming purposes and that I, there was a few people and when they did indiana jones um they did raiders of the lost ark about six months at the um royal abbott hall about six months before mm-hmm. and i was sort of reading into people's reviews and watching um some people's sort of videos on youtube and that and it, it must have been a completely different production company who did it because they had subtitles and it was quite a small orchestra and that and from what you're saying you know in the scenes where they're talking and there's music you couldn't really hear the talking on the videos yeah which even if you know they're you know the, the the camera would pick that up if it was loud enough but then but jurassic park that it, it wasn't like the the orchestra you know it was there it was magnificent it was grand and it, it was powerful but it didn't interfere with the general viewing experience you know like in the the journey to the island and that you could hear perfectly as though you were watching it at home you know you could hear the uh the dialogue but you just had that energy from the orchestra that just made it 
ten times better. <laughs> yeah. When and I, you know, you guys had a different, you know, task to do all this, so you were kind of focused on one thing, and I, you did get to see it right after, um, just like one time through, right? What from start to finish? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'd probably see it about two or three times oh, on yeah. the day from start because <laughs> they they must have they 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 run it through and then they run it through again and then they just run it through with the musical sections. So like they'd start the film and then. As soon as it got to a bit without any music, it would just cut to the uh, next scene with music yeah. and things like that. But we, um, on the Saturday, because that was the Thursday, and on the Saturday we um, was the the general. That was the day that I bought tickets for. So I took my wife up there, and um, we had pretty not the best seats, but on the Saturday because um, we wanted to get the board feed. They um, they were like yeah yeah just bring down the recorder on the Saturday mm-hmm. for the music to get like capture the orchestra audio <laughs> and um, so that like we went in we went in the stage door and they gave us these wristbands and um, like just sort of speaking to the like people and that and the, there was a couple of spare seats at the front that they had reserved that are not 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 right at the front but in the middle down on the floor oh, you know nice. the best seats in the house yeah. And there was like the the people didn't show up, so we wow. went. Me and my wife went and sat there, and that That's was perfect. just, yeah. And I think that experience on the Saturday, just watching it as an audience member, just that is probably probably one of the best, if not the best, experience I've had watching the film. It was just amazing. Yeah, I've had a, a difficult time like wondering what I should be doing while watching these orchestras play because. I want to focus on the movie, but I've seen the movies so many times. And, yeah. But I also want to take in the orchestra, watch what they're doing, you know, watch each person as their, you know, their moment comes up, and you know, whether it's you know striking a bell or or playing a harp or doing something, you know, like I want to take that in as an experience. So I, every time I I've, I've seen these, I've kind of you know kind of had a hard time like going back and forth between the movie and the orchestra, and just like. Oh, I forgot to pay attention to the orchestra. Let me watch them for a few. So it, it's a it's a interesting experience, I guess, seeing these these movies live. I think it's just as long as you're enjoying yourself, and you know, it it feels like something else, like a completely different experience to mm-hmm. sitting at home. Then there's no right or wrong way to do it. You know, True. I sort of, I there was moments, you know, certainly like. Um, when it gets, you know, um, when Nedry's stealing the embryos and things like that, I was, I was wanting to watch the orchestra with that because I was like, it was just, there were some funky little instruments come out when they were doing that. And, yeah, um, yeah. It was quite a fun. That was quite a fun thing to watch them doing. But like the whole, you know, like the T Rex rescue and things like that. You know, it's just, I think you just take it in as a whole. You're not kind of looking at the, well, you are looking at the screen as well, but you know, you're <laughs> taking in the orchestra as well. Yeah. And that screen in the Royal Albert Hall is absolutely humongous. And when and sitting on them seats down in front of the orchestra and having that just in front of you is just, it was madness. It was just so, it was gorgeous, you know? Yeah, that's that must have been an incredible experience going behind the scenes and seeing yeah. all that. So everybody has to go check that out. And obviously check out your podcast and everything else that you're doing. You've got a lot coming up. Is there anything that we can look forward to from you coming up soon? Uh, I mean, we're doing a lot of stuff for the Lost World anniversary. As we said, you know, all our interviews this year are going to be Lost World 
um, centric. You know, we've we've done a, a quite a lot of Lost World interviews as it is, but um, you know, the the next few that we've got lined up are Lost World um, people. Um, I won't reveal what hour we never do because you know we might end up we might have another Martin Ferrero moment where we'll say oh so and so's on it next and then <laughs> we don't hear from him in a year. But yeah. um, with that we met up with um, Harvey Jason um, a couple of months ago. He came over to London. We met up with him um, in central London one morning. We did so we did sort of like a video interview with him, and then we sort of hung out for the rest of the morning. Had had some drinks and just chatted. Um, but that's gonna um, we'll release that. We don't. I don't know whether because there's a few things like that planned. I don't know yet if we're gonna do that as a one one thing or you know do it as an episodic thing. Mm. But um, we'll see how that goes. Um, and there's some other Lost World stuff that's in the pipeline that's gonna be really cool. Nice, nice. Well, I know I'm looking forward to it. Every time, you know, uh, a different Jurassic Park podcast pops up on my feed, I'm listening to them all. So I'm super excited, and I thank you so much for coming on here. we got to do this again soon, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, sooner than, than however long I've been doing this and you've been doing it without talking. Yeah, yeah, no, mate, I, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's always, yeah, I, just, I think this is the first podcast that I've guested on being a guest on without hosting it so it's a good feeling right i've done it a few times it's it's uh a lot less uh stressful i guess <laughs> yeah well no it was, it's it's weird but you know it's enjoyable it's nice you know because <laughs> then if i if i run out of things to say i'll be like okay back to you, <laughs> you, you. <laughs> yeah your turn so yeah. uh i guess where can everybody find you and all your work um jurassiccast.com is sort of like our hub for everything it's going under um it's under construction at the moment for the uh we're sort of rebooting it but you can still get all of our yeah just jurassiccast.com links to our podcast youtube channel all our social media like twitter at jurassiccast and things like that so yeah just go to jurassiccast.com and um you'll find links to everything on there awesome thank you so much and uh we'll talk to you again soon thanks Now in its final weeks at the Franklin Institute, based on one of the biggest blockbusters in cinema history. Don't miss this awe-inspiring event for the whole family. Only at the Franklin Institute. For tickets, visit fi.edu. And remember, if something chases you, run! Make sure to visit JurassicParkPodcast.com to find all our past episodes, brand new news articles, information on how to contact us, and much more. It's a great source for everything related to the podcast, and of course, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Head to JurassicParkPodcast.com and help us build a great community. Anybody hear that? Thanks for listening to the 95th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast, 
Of course, a huge thanks to Sam for joining me today on the podcast. Our chat has been in the works for a while, so it was finally great to record with him after all this time. I've really enjoyed talking with other Jurassic podcasters, and I can't wait to get some more on here soon. Please don't forget to subscribe, listen, and give my new podcast, Never Offline, a five-star review. We'd really appreciate the backing of you awesome listeners. This podcast has a great listener base, so I'd love it if you all helped out with my new one. Don't forget about the promo code that we're running with the Franklin Institute for Jurassic World, the exhibition. Enter the code J-W-G-E-N-E-R to get $5 off daytime adult admission tickets. It's almost done. You have until Wednesday the 19th. If you want to interact with us, we do most of our work over on Twitter at Jurassic Park Pod. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Jurassic Park Podcast. And our Instagram handle is at Jurassic Park Podcast. You can listen to us via iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So make sure to subscribe to automatically get new episodes every week. If you haven't already, please give us a five-star review in iTunes or a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. It will seriously help out our rankings and make it easier for fans like you to find us. We're usually spotted commenting on the Jurassic Park subreddit as Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to check out JurassicParkPodcast.com for all the links you heard here today. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, comments, or if you want to debut a segment of your own, you can send them to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com, or you can submit questions directly on our website contact form. If you'd like to record something for the show, send it in to us and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail line a call and leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.